You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, when Moses came down from the mountain mm-hmm. and he saw the golden calf right. and he saw the people dancing, right. what happened then? Well, I bet you he was pretty angry. And what happened to that idol and to those stone tablets? Yeah, so he must have followed through somehow. What did he do with the nation of Israel? Well, let's find out today on, on More Than Ink. And yes, this is More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, we're glad you're with us today uh, for the exciting conclusion. Well... No, it's not the conclusion, really. I have a bad feeling about this. (laughs) (laughs) We're in Exodus 32, and this is the second half of the golden calf story. The golden calf story. You know, you would expect if you were writing the Exodus story that God gets them out of Egypt, and then they all lived happily Happily ever ever after. after. But no, not really. It's 40 grinding years out there yeah and moses is at the top of the mountain long enough to talk to god and the people get into some pretty bad mischief and uh and god tells moses before he actually comes down and gets to the bottom of the mountain what's going on uh and we covered that last week so go look at that but today today face to face with the israelites and aaron his brother and uh, we'll see how do you deal with something like the golden calf where they fashioned a golden calf to replace god himself because they doubted whether or not they had a future with the God who brought them out of Egypt. How do you deal with that? What does Moses do? Because we know that Aaron went along with the crowd. Well, yeah, we're going to get a little insight into Aaron's character yeah, here right. pretty shortly. We need to just start right into Let's this. Let's do it. Uh, the, we're starting in verse 19 of chapter 32. Remember, Moses is coming down the mountain. So verse 19, And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Drink it? I, you know, we need to stop there. Yeah, stop there. There's three distinct little vignettes in this chapter, yeah, and this is the yeah, first one. Yeah. Moses' initial response to what he finds at the bottom of the mountain there. Yeah. And we referred you last week to Deuteronomy 9, which is Moses recounting for the people uh-huh. at the end of their time in the wilderness his own words about this event. And so we're going to reference that in just a minute. Yeah. If you haven't if you haven't read it yet, we'll reference this a few times, but it's really worth reading in parallel with this. It, well, we can actually take time to probably yeah, read we'll it. read some of it it's it's really something it's moses talking about this event firsthand so his yeah. anger burns hot and yeah. that's interesting because that's had been god's condition mm-hmm. when god first told moses back in the, we talked about this last week yeah, uh, yeah. god says my wrath is burning wrath. hot and yeah. moses interceded for the people then the lord relented 
from mm-hmm. the judgment that he was going to bring. But Moses goes down, and now his anger is inflamed. Yeah, it's one of those ways I was mentioning last time that Moses's heart is actually becoming more like God's like heart. God's. His reaction is the same. And, and I think it's interesting, he's triggered when he just sees the calf. Because he, he hadn't seen it. He hadn't seen it yet. He came into the camp, and he saw the calf and the dancing. The dancing. The celebration over The and riotous. The riotous, drunken orgy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He saw all that stuff, and he became angry. Now, he, he breaks the two mm-hmm. tablets. What? I wouldn't do that. I mean, wouldn't you incur the wrath of God if you did that? Well, this? that raises a question, doesn't it? Does he does he smack those tablets on the ground because he's so angry? Right. Or does he do it representationally, saying, ah. look at this, they have already broken yes. the covenant they haven't even received yes. fully yet. The, the covenant has been violated on right. their side. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a very and, visible and sign. That's the way God has already regarded it. That's right. So they've corrupted right. themselves, they've turned away, they've worshipped another God, so they yep. have already broken their covenants. Yep, yep. And God refers back to this, well, he'll refer to it in Deuteronomy 9. Right. You know, you right. guys violated the covenant. So this is this isn't Moses saying that these tablets are unimportant. He's saying that they've been broken already right. as it comes down. And so it's a great visual. It's a great visual. Right. But then look what happens to him. He takes the calf yeah. and he burns it with fire and grinds it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Drink it. Okay, so if you just read this, Mm -hmm. it sounds like he mixes a potion with the dust of the calf in it and says, here, drink this. Well, that might be an interesting line of thought. But we find out in Deuteronomy 9 what he actually did with it. Deuteronomy 9, 21 says, And I took your sinful thing, the calf which you had made, and burned it with fire and crushed it, grinding it very small until it was as fine as dust, and I threw its dust into the brook that came down from from the mountain. Mm, yes. Yeah. That's a whole different picture. Yeah. That's the scattering on the water he's talking about here. Right. But it's interesting that that brook is flowing down from the mountain where yeah. God is. Yeah. And he takes the filthy thing and flings it to where the cleansing water is yep. coming down from yep. the mountain. And actually buries it in that cleansing water. It's it's gone. It's just yeah, gone. It's dissolved. It's, dis- it's gone just away. gone. Yeah. And, and so what do you make of the fact that he has them a drink of that? Well, you know, I was thinking that was their drinking water in that place, sure, that's right? How the stream was coming down from the mountain. But, you know, back in Exodus, when it says he made the people drink it, I was thinking earlier that that this is a way of demonstrating the internal nature of their corruption. Exactly. That they are, they are still corrupted inside. Yeah, yeah. And that evil thing is still in them. Yeah. That's the ancient idea of saying this is part of you, right? Because it went inside of you, right? Yeah, so and it's still inside of and you. And it's still you inside might of you. Pretend to be clean, but yeah. it's what's in you. Yeah. <laughs> so the the symbolism is not lost on us. It's no. really pretty clear. You know, you guys made this. This is a part of you. You drink this. This is still inside of you. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a lurking, latent danger inside of you. Your own sinfulness. It. He also. It's interesting. I never thought this before, but he also made that gold that they use unusable later on for the tabernacle because it's gone it's out of reach it's gone yeah it's just gone which is actually a good thing because you wouldn't want to use that calf gold and put it anywhere in the tabernacle well it's gone now it's been put in the stream 
gone. Gone. Hmm. Yeah. There's also a slight symbolism of the fact that even though their sins have been cast in that water in that sense, and then they drink it, there is that cleansing effect that water always has. So it, it, in a way, it starts to hint at the fact that that God is also interested in their cleansing, in the mm-hmm. putting away of these things. I mean, you got to own up to it. You drink it. Right. But God, because water is always a cleansing kind of thing, he, you know, he's in the business of getting that out of you. Because after all, the entire calf incident was a self-destructive, well-intentioned, but self-destructive event that they self-corrupted themselves. And so God's saying, yeah, that's not good for you. I don't think it was even self-well-intentioned. I think it was self-intentioned. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, not I, well-intentioned I, I, for God, but well-intentioned for, for themselves. themselves. They thought they were good. Doing we're going to do what we think is right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it brings me back to judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every everyone did, did what was right, right in, in their, their own, own eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah. And you know what happened in judges? It's the, uh, the whole thing is a train wreck. I'm the final pieces. arbiter of what's good right. for me. So yeah. God wants to cleanse us of that stuff, and so there's a little bit of hint of promise of that there. Whew. Man, and it's interesting too that under the pressure of the people, Aaron caved and participated in their plan. Right. Moses stands up and he clearly displays a kind of a leadership authority from God Himself. Yeah, zeal for God's righteousness. Yeah, he comes in and they don't challenge him. They say, "Well, you know, he just, you know, Uh oh, he's back." And then, and now there's more. Well, yeah, now we're going to get the confrontation with Aaron. 21. Because this is this is little brother taking big brother <laughs> to task here. Right, right. So in verse 21, Moses said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that What'd you brought you? such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they're set on evil. For they <laughs> said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Okay, so that's truthful, sort, sort of. of. It's buck passing. It's yeah. It's yeah. not my fault. It's their fault. Yeah. You know what you know, stinkers these people, people are. Yeah. So Aaron now is now we're going to get a real twist. Yeah. In verse twenty-four, Aaron says, "So I said to them, let any of you who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. <laughs> Poof." <laughs> so, you know, we had just read last week how Aaron received the gold. Yeah, he cast it. He hand-wielded it with a tool. He created the yeah. golden calf. Just run your eye up to verse 4. Right. That's where it says in this chapter, verse 4, he's the one that received the gold and fashioned it with its graving tools. And by the end of this chapter, where it's going to be clearly laid at the feet of Aaron, yeah. the thing that yeah. Aaron did. Yeah. So, you know, these people are evil. You know, they said, make us gods. And so I threw the gold in the fire and poof, out came a calf. Out came a calf. I mean, this total buck passing, it's this entire thing. completely passive. Yeah, t- totally passive. So I, I get it. We do it all the time ourselves when someone confronts us about things we do wrong. We try and get as passive looking as possible. Right. In the thing. Not my fault. It just happened. Just happened. What can I do? These people are evil. You know how things go. <laughs> So, verse 25. Uh, but again, what a fascinating <laughs> contrast to Moses who just came down off the right. mountain and he did not take a passive role. He stood with the great authority of God and said, well, you he guys. just been in the presence yeah. of God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, verse 25. When Moses saw that the people had broken loose for Aaron had let them break loose yeah. to the derision of their enemies. There we go. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi 
gathered around him. Mm -hmm. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. Mm. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. Wait, a blessing? Oh, uh, we'll come wow. back to that. So you see what happened here is uh, you know, the, the people have broken loose. They've lost all restraints. That's mm-hmm. verse 25. Totally unrestrained. Doing whatever's right in their own eyes. We quoted from Judges 17, or you can quote from Proverbs 14. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Right. So they have no sense in that sense. So, so restraint is gone. And then Moses says, who's on the Lord's side? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and the Levites, the priests, the priestly clan. Well, they, now they haven't been assigned as priests yet. Right, right. But but that's their future. But that's their future. Uh-huh. And here's the thing. Yeah, Moses was a Levite. Yes, Moses was from the tribe that's true. of Levi. That's true. And so he says, uh, "Who's on the Lord's side?" And all the sons of Levi. So these are these are people who are his relatives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, who step forward. And then he says to them, put on your sword, each one of you. Wow. Well, you know, this set me thinking about who are, who's Levi? And mm-hmm. so I went back to Genesis oh. 49 when uh-huh. Jacob is blessing uh-huh. his sons. And I, I just need to read this to you because uh, Genesis 49, 5 to 7 says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Yes, yes. Let my soul not enter into their council. Let my glory not be united with their assembly because in their anger they slew men and mm-hmm. in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger for its fierce and their wrath for its cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's exactly what happened here. That's what happens here. Yeah. Now, there there is no judgment that falls on them because they are actually executing capital punishment on right. idolaters right. here. But right. the, but Levi, as brother of Simeon, executed some tremendous oh, violence back in the things. time of Jacob. And yeah. you can read about that horrible back in Genesis. Things. And so mm-hmm. Jacob, looking forward, says prophetically, you guys are going to be essentially the sword of the Lord. Yeah. And the Levites are the ones who very shortly will become those who actually do the slaughtering in the temple service. Yes. So that's very interesting. They are men of bloodshed. They're of bloodshed. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And yet in this particular case, what God needs to do is is hunt down the leaders. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. So presumably, you know, we're talking millions of people. So 3,000 is not a lot, but there presumably were men who postured themselves, you know, as as uh, captains of this whole movement. And so this is a way that God said, we need to we need to cut this out. It's like influencers. a cancer. Influencers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good way to look at it. Influencers or proponents are definitely the guys not on the right. Lord's side and her, who are engaged to pro, you know promote this heresy. So, so God says we need to clean them out. So that is really kind of interesting that the future of the Levites is uh, is to serve God as priests, you know, right. 
And part of that, a large part of their job even then is the sacrifice of animals. But even here, which is dealing with sin, that's atonement right. for sin. Here we're dealing with sin again. And in both cases, we have a lot of bloodshed. Well, that's how important how important God sees the presence of sin as being a destructive thing to us. sin is deadly, right? The, the I mean, the New Testament says the wages of sin is, is death. death. God yeah. had said to Adam and Eve, now, if you disobey me, you will die. Yeah, yeah. And they had not a clue what that meant yeah, until right. they did it. But it does explain that last phrase in 29. Uh, you know, you need to slay these people so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this mm -hmm. day. In the cutting out of the self-destructive cancer of right. sin, it, it yields in the end uh, the peace of sinlessness in that sense. The, the, you know, the, the whole... The whole influence of sin, which is destructive, right. is put away. And it's that serious that God says people are going to have to die, especially those who are the proponents of this very way of rebellion for me. They, they've they got to be taken out or else they are going to infect the rest right. of the camp. And that's what we see here with the Levites do. It's a very priestly thing. They and do. we'll see that actually again and again in the unpacking of the law, right? Yeah, that yeah. Uh, so many things were capital punishment offenses right that said this will not be tolerated this will not be allowed to continue right and you know people who have kind of a, a warped idea of god's justice you know god's a loving god you know and they and they so overemphasize that they don't actually see the fact that from a justice perspective the most loving thing you can do is to remove the influence of sin in the life of another person and many times that means physically removing them mm -hmm. so yeah that theme will come up so much in the old testament and even in the new that that sin's destructive and god cares what happens to us because he loves us and just does not abide the presence of sin <laughs> for our good the problem is that we're all proponents of sin so <laughs> We're all under the thumb of that same justice. So that's a well, bigger question. Well, that right? opens the whole thought of a substitutionary sacrifice. Exactly. Right? Something has to die. Yeah, exactly. And that's where all those uh, atonement sacrifices at the tabernacle right. and later in the temple are signifying over and over and over. Yeah. And the writer of Hebrews says, you know, if the blood of bulls and goats has right. got to be offered over and over again, how permanent can that be? But one was offered once for all, and that was Jesus himself. He's that offering for us. Oh, we just touched on a thousand pieces oh, of theology right there. <laughs> I, but I hope you're seeing the the, the gigantic implications uh, that seem to be in this very simple story. Yeah, yeah. And this is the way the Old Testament works. It is this picture book of things that will become clearer later throughout mm -hmm. history, redemptive history that all looks toward Christ. Looks toward Christ and has a God who's serious in his justice about preserving us from evil, mm -hmm. which is why that's so prominent in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, deliver us from evil because this will kill us. It will kill us. And God is, is on our side and wants us to be preserved from that influence. And God is a life giver. He's a he life giver. He wants us to live. So here he's, he's bestowing a blessing because of this killing. It's just fascinating. Should we move on? Oh yeah. Verse 30. We have to. Let me read for okay. us. So the next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin mm. and now, now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They've made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Let's stop right there for a second. So huh. so he pleads for God's <laughs> forgiveness for them. 
right? When he goes back in the presence. But he says, you know, I am so much a part of this people that if you blot them out, blot me away too. Take me too. Well, and in a sense, it is, you know, if you hold them guilty, I'm guilty too. I'm guilty too. I'm not any cleaner than they are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a remarkable thing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Because Moses could have taken God up on his offer. Okay, God, wipe them out and let's start off with start me, over with me as again. the new right. you know, progenitor of the entire nation. And uh, we'll see if we can get it right this time. And now I will be Mr. New Abraham. You know, Moses says, no, if you're going to take them out, take me out too. And it, it sort of foreshadows an interesting personal sacrifice it from does. Christ himself it on does. our behalf. You know, he exists in order to bring life to us at the cost of his own life. Now, here he's not bargaining to die on behalf of the people, but he's saying, I am so identified with this people. Take my life, too. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fascinating Don't thing. kill them and preserve me. But yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it reminded me when Paul was writing the Romans in chapter nine, he says, you know, for I could wish that I oh, myself were yes. cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, the Jews, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Mm -hmm. So it's that same kind of mindset. You know, it's not about me. It's about these people. And if there's a way in which my life can count for their benefit, that's what I want. So that that's kind of yeah. floating in this whole idea. Here. Well, and if you come back to remember, we referenced Deuteronomy nine. Deuteronomy nine. Moses' own words yeah. when he's describing this event, he says, uh, "After I took the two tablets and smashed them before your eyes." This is verse eighteen of Deuteronomy nine, and I fell down before the Lord as at the first forty days and nights. So this is this was a long time. Yeah, he was yeah. up there. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin which you'd committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure which with the Lord was wrathful against you in order to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me that time. He listened. And the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. I also prayed with Aaron. I prayed for Aaron. <laughs> I prayed for at Aaron. At the same time. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, Moses took a, very seriously. What a great intercessor. Oh, yeah. God, don't kill my brother. Yep, yep. Great inter, great intercessory heart, which, by the way, is God's heart as well. It is. Ju judgment and justice are absolute and they're necessary. Uh, they're necessary for the definition of what is good, what what is it you bring for love, the good things. But, you know, God's heart is also to be an intercessor to deal with the problem of our own sin. And God holds us accountable yeah. for sin. So, you know, if you look at how the Lord responds now to Moses, because Moses has said, you know, blot me out of the book that you've written. Verse 33, back in Exodus 32, now yeah. says, Pick up there. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Ooh. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I've spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. In other words, I wow. will judge. I will judge. Right? Right. Why? Because they had turned aside and rejected God's salvation even after they had seen it. After they'd seen it. And the offer to them when they left Egypt wasn't just to go to a land of milk and honey. It was to go into uh, a society with God at the center. God at the center. And they've already kicked him out of the center of their society. So and says, if you remember, as Moses was coming down from the mountain, God had given him all these instructions. It says, now I'm the Lord who sanctifies yes, you. Yes, that's right. I make you that's holy right. by my very presence among you. Yep, 
Yeah. Even while they're at the foot of the presence. mountain making yeah. themselves unholy. By his presence. So the whole point of the land of promise isn't to be in a nice cushy place. It's to be in a place where God where lives. God lives That's and where God rules. That's the whole point. And that, that idea is not just Old Testament. That's New Testament too. Because remember when Jesus announced to the apostles, I'm going away, you can't come right, right now. And he says, but you know, I'm making a place for you so you can go and you can be where I am. Be it's with being me. with me. Yeah. So that's always that's always the word in the Old and New Testament. God's intention for us. Our problem is we are a stiff-necked people, and we sin. But He solved that problem through Christ. And God has said that from the very beginning. Very beginning. Right? This yeah. stiff-necked, this tendency to sin. Uh, in Deuteronomy twenty-nine, again, this is Moses talking, and he's looking back and looking forward, and he's talking about one whose heart turns away from the Lord and who in a stubborn stiff-necked way says I you know I've seen what God can do but I'm so strong it doesn't affect me right right yeah God will not forgive that right so he justice has just been sidestepped here and we know as we look forward in the story none of these people make it into the promise that's right this whole generation this whole generation dies in the wilderness yeah 40 years in the wilderness like Mm. 40 days on mount sinai (laughs) so the connection's really clear i will visit their sin upon them well let's read the last verse and we'll wrap up verse 35 then the lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one, the one that Aaron, Aaron had made. made. Oh, <laughs> just to let you know. Squarely on the shoulders <laughs> of Aaron. It didn't just pop out of the fire. Whoop, this calf came out. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of speculation about this plague because we don't know anything after this. Right. You know, what the We don't know is. what that particular plague was. Don't know. Some people say it was actually the killing of the 3,000. That's Maybe. the plague. That could be or could well, be something else. That word means a, a fatal blow. Exactly. Right. That's what so it is. So God allowed the death that that sin brought on to play out right to be very visible in their minds right yeah and so as you as you depart from the law of god you're playing with death is what you're doing and it reminded me of a proverb in proverbs 29 18 where there is no prophetic vision the people cast off restraint oh but blessed is he who keeps the law and so this is exactly what we're seeing that's going on here you cast off restraint it's self-destructive evil does that to us and God doesn't want us to fall victim to our own sinfulness so he redeems us through Christ wow oh my goodness does the news get better when we go into chapter 33 it does it does (laughs) (laughs) and if you want to know how it does uh, we want you to come back because I mean this is the ups and downs of following God into a nation where God is at the center by design of the society what happens when a populace rejects that God? Well, there's good news and there's bad news. But if you want to find out what that is, come back and join us next time on More, More Than, Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. In go. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs>